We now start with questions to Prime Minister Nick Smith. Number one, please, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, I'm sure the whole House will want to join me in wishing you, all members of staff, a Merry Christmas, and, uh, and indeed to all members, uh, and a Happy New Year. And members from across the House will also want to join me in sending our warmest wishes to all our armed forces and all members of the emergency services, health and care workers, and especially those who will be working over Christmas, uh, and not least those in our national mission, to get boosted now. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others in addition to my duties in this House. I shall have further such meetings later today. Nick Smith. Mr Speaker, can I congratulate the Prime Minister and his wife on the birth of his baby daughter? Last week was crime week. Was it a success for you, Prime Minister? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm very grateful, uh, and I thank him for his his kind words. And uh, yes, it was, Mr Speaker, because last week... Showed that we are not only we are not only the party that is putting in uh, the resources to fight crime uh, with 10,000 more police already recruited, uh, but we are the party that is finally getting tough on the drugs gangs that blight the lives of children and communities up and down this country. And we won't tolerate middle-class drugs use any more than any other kind of drug use, Mr. Speaker. and his family a happy Christmas. Mr Speaker, last Christmas I joined the charity Severday in wrapping Christmas presents at Durga Bhawan Temple. I delivered a small number of the thousands of gifts the Hindu community had donated for children and adults across Samwell. Will the Prime Minister join me in thanking Severday, Deepak, Mandu and Reena, who I'll be joining again this Friday at West Bromwich Sri Krishna Mandir. Yes, I thank my, my hon. Friend for raising the work of Sewa Day and uh, for all the people of, of West Bromwich, uh, Hindu community, who do make an incredible contribution uh, to this country. And I'm delighted that the charity is again uh, distributing donated gifts. Thank you to everyone involved and uh, particularly to my hon. Friend uh, for her efforts. Yeah. Yeah. We now come to the Leader of the Opposition, Keir Starmer. Yeah. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I also wish you, um, everybody works in this House, and all members, uh, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And can I also send my congratulations to the Prime Minister and his wife on the birth of their daughter. And join the Prime Minister in supporting our armed forces and all those on the front line. Mr Speaker, there were 200,000 Omicron infections on Monday. That's doubling every two or three days and the NHS could be overwhelmed. So I want to start by encouraging everyone listening to this session to get their jabs and boosters. It's the best way to protect themselves, the NHS and their loved ones. Given the seriousness of the situation, does the Prime Minister agree that the 100 Conservative members who voted against Plan B measures last night voted against steps which are necessary to protect the NHS and to protect lives. 
thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. The government is taking a balanced and a proportionate approach uh, to dealing with uh, the pandemic, and uh, uh, the House voted through uh, Plan B, I think, with Conservative votes, Mr. Speaker. And we will continue uh, with the massive booster rollout, to which he is a, uh, to which he is a, a, a late convert. Uh, since Friday, when I decided that we had to accelerate the booster program in view of the data about Omicron, uh, we've cut the timetable in half, uh, Mr. Speaker. Monday was the biggest vaccination Monday in the history of this country, and yesterday was the second biggest uh, vaccination achievement uh, by the NHS ever. More than 500,000 jabs delivered, and uh, the campaign continues to grow. I want to thank absolutely everybody involved. I want to thank all the British public for coming forward to get boosted now. Mr Speaker, we all hope that combined with the booster programme, Plan B will be sufficient to prevent the NHS from being overwhelmed. Nobody wants to see further restrictions. But the Prime Minister has quite rightly not ruled anything out. So can I take this opportunity to make clear to the Prime Minister that if further votes are needed to save lives and protect the NHS, Labour MPs will follow my leadership and we will always put the national interest first. Can I ask the Prime Minister to get his house in order so he can say the same about the members behind him? Uh, yes, uh, Mr Speaker, if uh, further measures are needed, as, as the House will understand, if further regulation is needed, of course this House uh, will have a further say. As for following his leadership, Mr Speaker, uh, they wibbled-wobbled over Plan B, they wibble-wobbled over quarantine, and if we'd listened, if we'd listened to him, Mr Speaker, uh, we wouldn't even have the, have the vaccine rollout, because we would have remained in the European Medicines Agency. And we wouldn't have opened up on July the, the 19th, Mr Speaker. Uh, we would have remained in lockdown. That's the reality, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, let me put that straight back in its box. The Labour Party showed the leadership yesterday that the Prime Minister lacked. Mr Speaker, if it wasn't for Labour votes, his government wouldn't have been able to introduce vital health measures we need to save lives and protect the NHS. So weak is his leadership. His own MPs were wrong to vote against basic public health measures. But I can understand why they're angry with him. After all, the Health Secretary said this summer that relaxations of restrictions were irreversible. They weren't. Only last week, the government... Order, order, order. I've been tempted by both of you a little bit too much. I think it's Christmas. That's the only reason you're going to remain. <laughs> Mr Speaker, only last week the government was saying Plan B measures were not required. They are. Just like the rail revolution for the North. No one will have to sell their homes for social care. Just like no tax rises. It's over-promise after over-promise until reality catches up. Does the Prime Minister understand why his own MPs no longer trust him? Yeah. Uh, 
Mr. Speaker, you know, there, there he goes again. He comes to this House pompously claiming that he wants to rise above uh, party politics and uh, support the efforts of the nation in delivering uh, the vaccine rollout. And then, and then he talks endlessly about party politics and plays uh, political games. I think what the people of this country can see is that as a result of what this government has done uh, with the decisions we've taken, the tough decisions that we've taken to deliver, the, which he ducked, Mr Speaker, to deliver the fastest vaccine rollout in Europe and now the fastest booster rollout. Uh, we now have, Mr Speaker, the fastest growing economy in the G7 and more jobs today, more jobs today, 500,000 more jobs today than there were when the pandemic began. That is Conservative government in action, Mr Speaker. We deliver, they complain. Mr Speaker, the only person undermining public confidence is sitting right there. Here's the problem. His MPs are wrong to vote against basic public health measures, but they are not wrong to distrust him. Last week, the Conservative member for the Forest of Dean asked... Why should people at home listening to the Prime Minister do things that people working in Downing Street are not prepared to do? Tory MP. The Conservative member for Shipley last week asked the Prime Minister, can he give me any reason at all why I shouldn't tell my constituents to treat these rules the same way that Downing Street treated these rules last year? Now, the Prime Minister had a week to come up with a good answer. Has he done so? Mr Speaker, the answer is very, very clear, and it's there in what the public are doing, uh, Mr Speaker, because they can see see that the government uh, is getting on with delivering on their priorities, not just on the economy, Mr Speaker, but above all on delivering the fastest booster rollout uh, in Europe. And, uh, you know, he's fond of these European comparisons, Mr Speaker, but we've done almost double the percentage of any other European country. Uh, We've boosted boosted 86% of the over-80s in this country, 91% of those aged 75 uh, to 79. That is an astonishing achievement, and I think that is what the people of this country are focused on. Mr. Speaker, and rather than rather than the, the partisan trivia that he continually raises, when frankly, when frankly, uh, he has a case to answer himself. I think that's no. He hasn't come up with a good answer <laughs> for weeks now. He claims that no rules were broken. He claims he didn't know what was happening in his own house last Christmas. I don't believe him. His MPs don't believe him and nor to the British public. He's taking the public for fools and it's becoming dangerous because from today, anyone who tests positive for coronavirus faces a second Christmas in isolation. It will be heartbreaking for families across the country. The message from the government has to be, we know that following the rules won't be easy this Christmas, but it is necessary. Can the Prime Minister not see that he has no hope of regaining the moral authority to deliver that difficult message if he cannot be straight with the British public about the rule-breaking in Downing Street last Christmas? 
Mr. Speaker, I've repeatedly answered uh, that question uh, before, and, and, uh, and as he knows, a report is being uh, delivered uh, to me by the Cabinet Secretary into exactly uh, what went on. He might explain why there are pictures of him uh, quaffing beer, uh, Mr. Speaker. We haven't heard. We haven't. I think what the British public want us all to do, frankly, and what they want us all to do, is focus on, focus on the matter in hand and continue to deliver the vaccine rollout in the way that we are. And I think it is an absolutely fantastic thing that people are now coming forward in the way that we are, and the way that they are. 45% of people over 18 have now had a vaccine, Mr. Speaker. And I'm very, and I thank, I thank our amazing staff. I thank the NHS. I thank all the GPs. I thank the GPs. And we, how we are? Well, you blocked that. You blocked the investment in there. Yes, Mr. Speaker, they wouldn't. They wouldn't do it. I, I thank them for what they're doing. I can tell the House that uh, we're now speeding things up uh, by allowing people to avoid the 15-minute delay after they've been vaccinated, which I hope will encourage even more people to come forward. Mr. Speaker, the virus is spreading once again, and lives and livelihoods are at risk. The British public are looking for a Prime Minister with the trust and the authority to lead Britain through the crisis. Instead, we're burdened with the worst possible Prime Minister at the worst possible time. They're shouting now. Where were they in the lobby last night? His own MPs have had enough. They won't defend him. They won't turn up to support him. And if he proposes them, they won't vote for basic public health measures. So at this time of national effort, the Labour Party stood up, shown the leadership that the Prime Minister can't, and put the health and security of the British people first. This is silly because I can't hear the question. I will hear the question. I don't think we need any more help from this front bench. I'm just dealing with this corner first before I come back. <laughs> Can I just say, I understand this last PMQs and we're going to be coming back in the new year, but I do need to hear the question. And it may take a long time, but I will hear it. So please, I want to get through questions. I want you all to get away for Christmas. At this stage, you won't. Here's Starmer. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister is so weak that without Labour votes last night, vital public health measures wouldn't have got through. But this country can't... Since it's not true... Oh, God. Uh, I haven't got... <laughs> it's not true. That... He's so socially distant from the truth. He thinks that that's not true. I don't know where to... We'd better press on. We can't go on with a Prime Minister who's too weak to leave. So will the Prime Minister take time this Christmas to look in the mirror and ask himself whether he has the trust and authority to lead this country. Mr Speaker, uh, thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Uh, let, 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 we, we won that uh, vote last night with Conservative votes, as I, as I told the House. Uh, I, I, respect, I respect the feelings and the, 
I respect the anxieties uh, that colleagues have about... Of course I do. I respect and understand the anxieties, the legitimate anxieties that colleagues have about uh, restrictions on their liberty, but I believe, uh, and on the liberty of, the, of people, but I believe that the approach that we're taking is balanced and proportionate and right for this country. And let me tell you, Mr Speaker, let me tell the House about some of the... He talks about leadership, some of the decisions, the tough decisions that I've had to take. I had to decide to stay out of the European ventilator scheme, so we had our own ventilator chance, which, which he then... Which he then ridiculously attacked. I decided to go ahead, ahead of the rest of Europe, ahead of the rest of Europe with the vaccine rollout, Mr Speaker, which would have been impossible if we listened to him. I decided to go ahead with opening up our society and our economy on July the 19th, which he opposed, Mr Speaker, which he opposed. And frankly, uh, if we'd listened to him, never forget, we would not now have the fastest economic growth of the G7. It's because it's because we took those courageous steps, Mr Speaker, that we now have 500,000 more people in work now than there were when the pandemic began. And yesterday I saw 1.2 million job vacancies, Mr Speaker. That is what Conservative governments do. They create employment. They create business opportunities. And above all, Mr Speaker, we vaccinate. They vaccinate. They, they jabber. We jab. They play party politics, Mr Speaker, and we get on with the job. I'm amazed. I'm absolutely amazed that some of you wanted to catch my eye. Obviously you don't. Thanks for that. It's making my life easier. So don't be shocked when I wasn't going to put you in for that special question today. <laughs> Let's come to the man of the moment, Dr Liam Fox. Thank you, Mr Speaker. As we look forward to 2022, one of the dates that stands out for me is the 21st of March, which will be International Down Syndrome Day. Yeah. In, in thanking the government for the support and indeed thanking all parties in the House for the support for the Down Syndrome Bill, can I ask the Prime Minister if he will give his personal commitment to ensure that we get that bill on the statute before International Down Syndrome Day when we will be the first country in the world to do so. We talk about global Britain. It can't just be about trade and diplomacy. It must also be about values. Wouldn't that be a great place for Britain to start? Uh, uh, that, uh, my, uh, my right honourable friend is a wonderful campaigner on this issue. He's completely right about Down syndrome. Uh, people that can have poorer health outcomes. That this bill, I know, does aim to improve uh, life outcomes for uh, for people with Down uh, syndrome. And we are pleased to support it. And we will do whatever we can to ensure the prompt progress of this bill. We now come to the leader of the SNP, Ian Blackford. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Can I can I wish you? It's not a pun, I mean. Oh yeah, exactly. Carry on partying. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Can I wish you, all your staff, all members in the House, a Merry Christmas and a good New Year when it comes, and send my thanks to those in the front line, our emergency service, our armed forces, for everything that they have done to get us through this year. Mr. Speaker. The public understands the threat that Omicron poses to all our people and to our NHS. But we saw from last night's vote the Tories might be privileged enough to live in denial about this danger 
but the rest of us have the responsibility to live in the real world. That means increasing public health measures and increasing financial support for businesses and workers. The Scottish Government is delivering £100 million from our fixed budget to support businesses. But we all know that more is needed. Yesterday, the UK Government put out a press release saying that new financial support was coming. But last night, the Treasury U-turn saying no new money was available. So, Prime Minister, which is it? Is there any new money to support businesses? Or was it all just smoke and mirrors once again? I'm grateful to the the right honourable gentleman. I I, I share some of the points that he made about the importance of uh, being vigilant about Omicron. I think it's uh, it's good that he he set that out. I think it's important that uh, we continue to work with the Scottish administration as as we do uh, to to help everybody uh, through it. There is uh, more money, as he knows, uh, through Barnet Consequentials. There are also uh, further powers under uh, under the existing devolutionary settlement for uh, the Scottish administration to to raise money uh, if it uh, chooses to, uh, and they, they have that option. But we will, we will of course, uh, continue uh, with the discussions with the Scottish uh, administration. Ian Blackford. Mr Speaker, that simply wasn't an answer, and it really just does confirm it's all smoke and mirrors. There was no new money for Scotland. Once again, the Prime Minister can't trust a word that this Prime Minister says. Dodgy dealings on renovations and his distant relationship with the truth, all of it has left him weak. Last night, this UK government struggled to get measures through this House that Scotland has had for months. A Prime Minister who can't do what is needed to protect the public is no Prime Minister at all. Mr Speaker, nobody wants further restrictions, but Scotland can't afford to be hamstrung if the Prime Minister can't act because he's got 99 problems behind him. So will he give the devolved governments the powers and financial support that we need to protect our people? Uh, uh, Mr Speaker, I think we're going to need a bit of bigger waistcoat to contain the synthetic indignation of the Right Honourable uh, Gentleman, quite frankly. Uh, if I, if I, can just, I can just tell him uh, that, that there are the powers, the, the Scottish Administration has the powers, uh, but what we've also done, uh, what we've also done Mr Speaker, is a, a record uh, settlement, a record settlement, settlement uh, for Scotland, £41 uh, billion. Pounds. But I, 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 in all friendship to, with the right honourable government, who, who I'm actually quite cordial with behind the scenes, uh, Mr Speaker, we will work with uh, the Scottish Government to make sure that we get through this thing together. Sir Robert Hill. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, Stroke uh, is uh, the leading cause of adult disability in the United Kingdom. Uh, It's the fourth largest killer. We've made much progress, but regrettably, in the last couple of years, key treatments like thrombectomy, thrombolysis, and timely interventions in hospital have actually stalled uh, and gone backwards. Uh, In particular, most stroke survivors do not uh, receive less than half the recommended levels of rehabilitation, something which the Prime Minister knows my own family uh, have experienced. Uh, Can we urgently look to upgrade the very good National Stroke Plan into a fully-fledged national strategy for stroke, 
with a minister responsible for it and a dedicated team of officials in the department to roll that out. I want to thank my right, my right honourable friend for that question. I know his, uh, uh, he and I have discussed before his own uh, personal reasons for caring uh, so much about this issue. And I, I understand and I sympathise uh, deeply uh, with, uh, with what he's saying. And that's why uh, one of the reasons why uh, I want to make sure that we do invest uh, enough in, in this. There are 20 integrated uh, stroke uh, networks in England already. What we want to do is uh, increase their capacity uh, by about tenfold. Uh, Mr. Speaker, very happy to uh, make sure that he has the right uh, meeting with the relevant minister to discuss uh, the matter. But that's why it's so important uh, that we invest now in our NHS uh, in the way that we are. And what a pity uh, that that essential measure could not be supported uh, by the party opposite. The Speaker, the Prime Minister's actions over the last number of months have absolutely eroded public confidence at the worst possible time in a public health crisis, excusing rule-breaking by his own MPs, ignoring rule-breaking in his own House. He can't even lead Tory MPs to vote for his public health guidance. How does he expect to lead anybody else? Surely now it is time, Mr Speaker, for him to do the right thing, the only thing left him to restore public confidence and resign. No, Mr Speaker, I'm going to get on with protecting the public of this country uh, and and making sure uh, that we get through this pandemic together as one United Kingdom, uh, Mr Speaker, uh, and making sure that we protect uh, trade uh, between Great Britain and Northern Ireland in the way that I know he would want it protected. Peter Alders. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. In East Anglia, there are, on the one hand, tremendous opportunities in such sectors as low-carbon energy and sustainable fishing, and yet, on the other hand, significant challenges with deep pockets of deprivation, particularly in coastal communities. I acknowledge the investment that has been made, but there is a concern locally that the government has yet to comprehend the scale of the opportunity that our region has to be a global exemplar in new and revitalised industries, and in doing so, bring transformative and long-term benefits to local people. Will my right honourable friend meet with other East Anglian MPs and myself so that together we can put in place a strategy to realise the full potential of the East of England? Yes, Mr. Speaker, but I, I, also, I also want to say uh, that I, I understand completely the massive opportunity uh, that exists in, and the potential that exists in those coastal uh, communities, and, uh, and that is why we're investing £120 million already in five uh, new town deals, including uh, for Lowestoft. Uh, Mr. Speaker, and uh, I'm sure that my right honourable friend, the, the Secretary of State for, for levelling up, uh, will want to be uh, taking his points on board as we uh, bring forward the levelling up uh, white paper in the new year. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Does the Prime Minister believe that it is the damage being caused by Brexit, his litany of broken promises, his condoning of Conservative Party corruption, or just simply his complicity in lockdown busting? Christmas parties and quizzes, which has caused the public to so dramatically, so rapidly lose faith in his leadership. Yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, what I observe is that actually it was our freedom from the rules of the uh, European Union uh, that, enabled, uh, that enabled us to deliver the fastest vaccine rollout in, in Europe. Uh, and that has enabled us uh, to have the fastest economic growth uh, in the G7, and that is of massive benefit to each and every one of his constituents. And I think he should acknowledge that point. Laura Farris. 
Thank you, Mr Speaker. One of the significant achievements of this government is the work it's done with local authorities to tackle rough sleeping. Five years ago, 36 people were sleeping rough in the Newbury area. This Christmas, West Berkshire Council have reduced that to zero. But they can only sustain that success with the help of uh, additional support services to tackle the complex causes of homelessness. What action will the government take through its new 10-year drug strategy to intercept the link between addiction and life on the streets? Uh, my honourable friend is completely right to draw the link between uh, drug addiction and, and rough sleeping. And that's why our, our drug strategy is so absolutely vital uh, for tackling uh, this problem. I also want to thank local councils, Mr Speaker, uh, and everybody involved in the, in the Everyone In uh, campaign. Uh, I think that homelessness and rough sleeping are a blight uh, and, and, a, and a disgrace, a shame uh, for our society. And I'm, I'm proud to say uh, that levels are falling. Our rough sleeping uh, snapshot shows levels have fallen uh, 43% uh, since 2017, though uh, clearly as we come out of the, uh, of the pandemic uh, in the next uh, year or so, uh, we must make sure that we continue uh, to reduce rough sleeping. It remains an absolute priority for this government. Ben Lay. Uh, Mr Speaker. With the emergence of the Omicron variant and a rising number of COVID infections, more and more people are being asked to self-isolate, to stay at home, to look after isolating children. I've been contacted by people in Ceredigion who have been excluded from isolation support payments as they are not in receipt of benefits or above the weekly earnings threshold. Will the Prime Minister act urgently to increase statutory sick pay, which currently stands at a mere £96.35 a week? So the people in this position do not have to choose between following public health regulations or putting food on the table. Yeah. I, I thank him very much, and I, I understand uh, the difficulty some families will, will, will find themselves in. Uh, we want to look after everybody throughout the, the pandemic, and that's why we've done things like lift the, the living wage in the, in the way we have increased the, uh, the funds available for, for childcare, uh, but also made sure that the councils have an extra hardship fund uh, of half a billion pounds to help uh, families of the kind that he's describing uh, through this winter. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Following confirmation of the, the crew to Manchester leg of HS2, the Alston factory and crew winning a HS2 rolling stock contract and crew's long history at the heart of our railway industry, does the Prime Minister agree with me that crew is a strong contender for the headquarters of Great British Railways and can he tell me when the process to choose the location of the new HQ will start? <laughs> yeah. Well, Mr. Speaker, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, my brief says I'm going to be very careful in what I say. Uh, I, 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 I've no doubt that Crewe is a strong uh, contender, uh, but further details of the competition will be announced in the, in the coming uh, weeks, uh, Mr. Speaker. And I know that expressions of interest uh, from places such as Crewe uh, will be very welcome. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. After inquest verdicts on the 97 people who died in the Hillsborough disaster of unlawful killing, the Right Honourable Gentleman stood for election to this House on a manifesto that included legislating to introduce a public advocate. Why then is his Government repeatedly blocking my public advocate bill, which has cross-party support and would prevent families bereaved by public disasters from ever again having to endure what the Hillsborough families have had to cope with over the last 32 years? Is it an oversight or yet another broken promise? 
Uh, I, I thank the, 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 the right honourable lady, and no, uh, we do recognise the importance of uh, putting the bereaved and the bereaved of, uh, of Hillsborough at the heart of an investigation, uh, and we think that in certain circumstances funding uh, may be uh, ava available for uh, a representation for the bereaved at a public inquiry uh, or interest. We are considering, to her point, we are considering what steps uh, should be taken. I will ensure that she has uh, a, a meeting with the relevant minister uh, in, the, uh, in the relevant department, in the Home Office, as soon as possible. Sir Bernard Jenkins. Mr Speaker, as we see uh, Russian forces massing on the Ukrainian border, uh, can we be reminded that Russia is also continuing cyber attacks, attempted assassinations, using gas as a political weapon, holding illegally territory in the Crimea, in Georgia, uh, intimidating the West and attempting, interfering in Western elections. Um, how much does the government understand that President Putin is conducting a hybrid war against the West and how is the government responding to it? I thank my right honourable friend and he, I'm afraid he is absolutely right in what, he, in what he says and he's also right to stress the particular urgency of the situation in, uh, he's right in what he says about hybrid warfare and all the other uh, interventions, but there is a particular uh, crisis that we face on the border with Ukraine where Russian uh, troops have been massing for some time, as the House knows, and I uh, told President Putin on, on Monday what uh, uh, I think everybody in the G7 uh, and, and more widely is agreed that if Russia uh, were so rash, so mad as to engage in an invasion of uh, sovereign territory of Ukraine, then there would be uh, an extremely tough package of economic sanctions uh, mounted by uh, our allies, mounted by the UK and our friends around the world. Uh, there would also, of course, uh, be support uh, for Ukraine. Uh, there would inevitably be the build-up of NATO forces in the uh, periphery uh, regions, and I, as I told President Putin, I believe any such action would be catastrophic, uh, not just for Russia and uh, for Ukraine, uh, but for the, for, for the world, uh, Mr Speaker. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Prime Minister made an address to the nation on Sunday on COVID booster jabs, and he said every eligible adult will have the chance to get the booster before the new year, roughly two weeks away. However, the Health Secretary and our national health leaders have said otherwise. We know that those who deliver our health service were not adequately consulted. The infrastructure to deliver was not prepared. Isn't this going to be yet another broken promise, Prime Minister? Uh, uh, Mr Speaker, yes, this is a, mas a massive national effort. Uh, yes, it will be incredibly hard to achieve. But do I believe that our NHS, our GPs, our volunteers can do it? Yes, I do, yeah. Mr Speaker. And I think that's the, spirit, that's the spirit in which she and the whole House should approach it. And rather than taking that, that approach, Mr Speaker, can I advise all uh, the Labour benches uh, and all colleagues around this House to tell our constituents to get boosted now? Speaker, I very much welcome my right honourable friend's answer to a question just a moment ago and his emphasis on global Britain and partnership in standing up to autocracies. Will he therefore share the concern that I have about the reports I've just got from the Foreign Office that there is a staff cut of 10% across the board? How is this compatible with global Britain? 
Uh, Mr. Speaker, we are investing massively in uh, overseas aid. We're investing massively, uh, ten, £10 billion uh, pounds a year in, in overseas aid. Uh, this country is spending, I think, uh, we are the biggest spender in Europe overseas, £54 billion. If you look at what we're doing on aid, on the Foreign Office, on defence, we are the biggest spender, over, biggest spender on overseas activities of any country in Europe. And I, I, I know he's an expert on foreign affairs, uh, Mr Speaker, but I'm, I can tell him that the recent information that has trickled into his ears is, I'm assured by my right honourable friend, the Foreign Secretary, fake news. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Transport for London faces serious financial difficulties solely due to the pandemic causing the collapse in fares income. The emergency COVID funding to TfL expires the day after tomorrow. Prior to the pandemic, the Mayor of London spent four years improving TfL's finances after... There will be a nightmare. There will be a nightmare in a moment. Can I just say, we want to get through the questions. I was hoping to get some extra people in. You're not helping me do so. Come on in, Ruth Cabrera. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Prior to the pandemic, the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, spent four years improving TfL's finances after his predecessor inexplicably bargained away TfL's 700 million annual government grant. By, by, failing, by, by failing to meet the Mayor on extending the emergency COVID grant, this Government is putting the city's economy and environment at risk. Rail companies have had additional support. Will the PM instruct... Will the PM instruct silent shops to meet the Mayor immediately so that buses and tubes can continue to keep London moving from Friday? Uh, Mr Speaker, this happens to be one of the subjects I probably know more about than anybody else uh, in, in this House. Uh, and I, I, can, I can tell her uh, that uh, when I was Mayor and, run, and I was uh, Chairman of Transport for London, uh, we had our finances uh, in balance because I ran a responsible affairs uh, policy. Uh, when, I, when I left the mayoralty, uh, we had Crossrail in surplus and we had, uh, we had our, our reserves in surplus. What happened, actually, uh, was that the, La- the Labour Mayor of London embarked on a reckless, unfunded fares policy, a reckless, unfunded fares policy that are cutting fares recklessly so as to leave a huge black hole in Transport for London's finances. And yes, Mr Speaker, we have the greatest capital. I'm not going to dissent. Uh, and we will, of course, help uh, the stricken uh, Labour any more difficulties in any way that we can. But blame lies fairly and squarely with City Hall. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I'd like to wish all of our constituents for all, all across the country a Merry Christmas and a safe 2022. What matters to my Sedgefield constituents, though, is jobs, jobs, jobs. Would the PM con- jo- join me in congratulating Tati and Alston 
Yeah. They secured the HS2 rolling stock contract, which is a tremendous vote of confidence in the people of Newton, Eglith and Sedgefield. And could I ask him to encourage the Secretary of State for Transport to confirm that the feasibility street for Furriel station approved his earliest convenience so we can get on with levelling up, building back better for Furriel, Bishop Medlam, Sedgefield and the Cornford. Yes, I, I thank my I thank my honourable friend, who is a great advocate for Sedgefield and for his constituents and and for levelling up. I congratulate Hitachi and Alstom uh, on securing the HS2 stock order and the proponents of the uh, Ferry Hill Station for completing the initial business case uh, for the scheme. And Mr. Speaker, this is part of the 96 billion pound investment that we're making in our railway infrastructure, the biggest in a hundred years, dwarfing anything that the Labour Party has ever embarked on, and we will get on with uniting and levelling up across our country. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'm, I'm sure the Prime Minister would like to thank me for assisting him as he was unaware of last year's and been kept in the dark about last year's festivities with my assistance in lighting the Christmas tree in Downing Street this year. Unlike the Prime Minister, I am not in the dark as to what my staff are doing this year. We are serving and delivering over a thousand hampers and gifts to families across Swans East to make sure they get across Swansea, that they get a Christmas. Will the Prime Minister please join me in congratulating and thanking everyone involved in everyone deserves a Christmas and if he would like to come and light a tree in my constituency, I'm sure there's one available for him. Can, can I say that's one of the nicest things uh, somebody said to me from the benches of it for a long time? Uh, and, uh, Mr. Speaker, and uh, I, 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 I do want to thank and congratulate everybody uh, in her constituency who's uh, helping to bring uh, hampers uh, to those who need it this Christmas. It's a wonderful thing. Be more. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Yeah, yeah. My thoughts, and I'm sure the thoughts of the whole House, are with those who loved Star Hobson, who was brutally murdered by a monster whilst Starr's evil mother allowed this to happen in Keighley. The court heard that numerous referrals were made to Bradford Council's children's services months in advance of Starr's murder, but they were not taken seriously. In fact, the case was closed. The Prime Minister will be aware that this is the latest of a long list of failings at Bradford Council's children's services, where political correctness appears to have been put before the welfare of children. I have no confidence in Bradford Council's leadership to deliver children's services. And since the death of Star, I am pleased that the government has sent in a commissioner to over. So, sorry, I'm very bothered we're going into subjudice. It is very, very serious, and I don't want to cause a real problem. I would say for the Prime Minister, if he could answer without giving any further details, I think we've gone a little bit too far into what the case is at the moment. Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I'm grateful for, for your direction. I, I would just want to say that I think the whole House will, will once again be filled with incredulity at the, the cruelty of people who could perpetrate a child-killing uh, like this, but also uh, sadness and bewilderment that it could not have been uh, prevented. And uh, this, uh, we will uh, appoint, as, you, as, as, as my honourable friend knows, appoint a commissioner to assess uh, the relevant council, Bradford's capability and capacity uh, to improve uh, on their findings, and they will report on their, their handling. They will report in January. Uh, but uh, this will also feed in uh, to the report that we've uh, commissioned on the death 
of Arthur uh, Labinjo Hughes. And I say to those who are responsible uh, in, the, in the authorities concerned uh, that we will not hesitate to remove service control if that is what is necessary to drive the improvements uh, that we need to see. That comes to the end. We're going to go to you, Hughes. Can I just wish everybody a wonderful 